You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Welcome to another episode of the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode is with Smadar, who is an older female student, and we talk about what her journey to come from owning her own business into a dedicated yoga practice looked like, as well as addressing ageism and some challenges she's faced on her yoga journey on the mat and also in life. I hope you will draw a little bit of inspiration from her story and enjoy the time that we shared together. Hi everyone, it's Kino here. I'm with Smadar and we want to welcome you to a new episode of the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. Remember that the intention of this whole series is to keep you inspired, to keep getting on your mat so you can practice yoga and change your world to a happier and more peaceful place. Part of what we do here is tell inspiring stories of real yoga students from all over the world. So, Smadar, you are a student of yoga. I am. Now, how old were you when you first joined a yoga class? I was 56 years old. Wow, that's so awesome. And how long have you been practicing now? Uh, well, I just turned 60 a couple of months ago, so I guess it makes it four years. <laughs> so what was your first yoga class like? How did that feel for you? Did you have any doubts or did you just go in with a totally open mind? I went with uh, complete fear, not knowing whether I'm going to even understand what it is that is required of me. I chose a simple, gentle yoga class. Uh, the class had three students, which was perfect. <laughs> so I wasn't as intimidated as I thought um, I would be. And um, the teacher took time with gentle yoga to explain, you know, the names of the asanas and how to stand and how to, to move around. And at the end, I said, wow, where has this been all my life? I need to... Uh, I need to understand it a little deeper. So what were the circumstances that led you to that first yoga class? Oh, wow. Um, I come from a completely different world. What, <laughs> what world? <laughs> the non-yoga world. Yeah. The non-yoga world, which is now my life. So you were in the dessert business. Yes. Now, did that impact, did that get heavily impacted by the financial crisis? It did, because the first thing that goes is, you know, people modify, you know, their uh, conventions to maybe $15 a person, no mm -hmm. dessert, or they serve just cookies, and cookies can be bought from any purveyor, or anybody in the kitchen can make a chocolate chip cookie. I had a very high-end dessert company with very specific line of uh, pastries and pedifors and cakes and... Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty, amazing. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty soon you see a decline in orders and not just a decline in orders, a decline in payment. Mm -hmm. So my little old business had to wait instead of 15 days, 90 days for the big hotels to pay me. Right. So no lines of credit, no payments coming in, 17 employees, kids, you know, at home. I had to make some tough decisions. And one of the tough decisions that were made is to let go of people 
Right. Unfortunately, I had no choice. Yeah, I, that's got to be really hard. It was heartbreaking because mm-hmm. some of them had families. I had to make a, a choice. I let some work, you know, a couple of days a week. I did what I could to find them a job uh, with other people. I just couldn't carry them. I understand. And then my week work turned into 20 hours a day, seven days a week, basically no life, no... Mm-hmm. Um, so you took it all nothing. on. Nothing. I yeah. took it all on. My husband did and... My kids were old enough, you know, to understand and maybe chip in every once in a while. However, something gave in and we had to realize that we can't pay everybody or everything all the time. And we kind of got a little behind on our mortgage, knowing what yeah. you do first. You keep your business, you keep your house, mm-hmm. uh, you pay your college tuition, you buy food, you put gas in the car. Yeah. It came to, to that. Wow. From a thriving business of that generate quite a lot of money, how I long? had to make a choice to buy groceries, to put gas, to pay mortgage. And how long? It took a while. This was 2008, mm-hmm. which the decline declined mm-hmm. slowly. And in 2013, I got a note on my door that my house is being foreclosed. Wow. So I'm looking at myself and I'm looking at my husband, who is worked uh, his entire life in the hotel industry. And I myself you know, as accomplished pastry chef. And we are about to find ourselves on the streets. Yeah. And what do we do? (laughs) Uh, So first there is an initial shock. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, What did that shock feel like? For me, it felt like, okay, we're healthy. We're fine. We'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Not 10 minutes go by while I tell myself that. And the person who owned the bakery that we leased tells me, you have to be out by <gasps> January because we're in trouble. Wow. And the building is um, going... Also foreclosure. Foreclosure. Wow. So we were like stunned. We had a certain amount of money in the bank, which we put toward the business. We believed in our business. We mm-hmm. rented at that point. We started in 2004, so it was quite established. And we were clueless on what we were going to do. And I remember that it was a moment where my husband just sat on the floor and said, I really don't know how we got here and I really don't know what to do. Wow. And something interesting happened. Our mailman walked in (laughs) and he said, oh, you know, you are not alone, but there's a lawyer I know and you need to talk to her because that's her specialty. Was it foreclosures? What I didn't realize at the time, what we didn't realize at the time, and now I'm I'm sure you can read about this, is that the banks were giving loans to a lot of people that couldn't afford them. We had our house for 20 years, but the minute we skipped one or two payments, there was no one to talk to. They would sell mortgages to like... um, how do you say? Uh, so I think they're subprime mortgages. Something yeah. like mm-hmm. that. And they would sell them to other companies that would mm-hmm. right. collect them. Mm-hmm. And or they so, package off the mortgages, mortgages and cities, securities. I think exactly. they're called mortgage-backed securities. I don't remember what our particular story mm-hmm. was, but it was a company that would give us the runaround. Anytime we wanted to talk to somebody, it's like, yeah, 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 just fill out this paper, that paper. And basically uh, just wanted... The minute your house is in foreclosure, apparently you have like a few months before it goes on the market for auction. Wow. So everybody was giving us the running around. Uh-huh. And you know to, you have a limited time. And we have a little a limited time. So when he came in and said there's a lawyer that specializes in those particular cases, we said, okay, right away we went. Mm-hmm. Which is 
to me right now, I'm happy to talk about this because I think this can be help for other people who are in this situation. There is a way yeah. out, of this, out of this. And what she suggested at the time um, is to do, there's chapter 11, there's chapter 7, and then there's chapter 13. Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. But chapter 13, which was perfect for me, is you return everything that you owe mm-hmm. and you pay all of your debts to whoever, you know, credit card suppliers, everything. And then after five years, you can get, they can work out a way with the bank to get your mortgage back. Okay. So I said, sign me up. Yeah. I what what don't does that mean to get your mortgage back? Well, will you get the house, the house back in your name? Right now, oh, the bank own, owns it. And you can keep the house And you the keep the house mm-hmm. during the bankruptcy as long as you pay all of your credits. You can't open a business. You can't open an account. Okay. You can't do anything. Basically, I already had a business. I really was very happy to have everybody taking credit cards away mm-hmm. from me mm-hmm. and just to live off of what I make. Right. Um, and we did that. We did that. We had to let people go. We had to modify everything in our lives. And we learned some very valuable lesson that led me to, to do yoga, <laughs> to yeah. tie it up to yoga. And the valuable lesson was wonderful. I all of a sudden became a tourist in my backyard. Instead of going to a restaurant, I started cooking and inviting people. Uh-huh. Instead of traveling all over, we took the car and we discovered what Florida is all about. Right. And we did many different things that we didn't have the time. We let go of cable. We let go of everything that was unnecessary mm-hmm. and just basically um, were determined to get our house back. At that time, unfortunately, my mom was in the hospital. Oh. I couldn't travel. I couldn't take time off. I literally, for, it took me three, it took us three and a half years by our teeth <laughs> to get the house back in our name. Wow. Congratulations. Thank that's, you. That's, that's hard work. It is. It was very, very hard, very rewarding, mm-hmm. and a wonderful lesson in yeah. life. Because was, when you're in a survival mode, you don't pay attention. Right. The little things. It's true. Nothing bothers you. You're like, yeah. It's you a, just it's a you have to. You go through the motions, mm-hmm. and then you just neglect, you know, mm-hmm. um, important things. So that sort mm-hmm. of was the beginning of of the journey. And once we got the house back, we said, okay, let's powwow about our lives. What really do we need to be happy? Mm-hmm. We have this business is consuming. We have a house that our kids are about to leave the house. We don't really need a big house. So let's sell. Wow. We sold the house. So you worked so hard to get the house in your name to turn around and sell it. To pay because there was a big mortgage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we paid the mortgage. We paid whoever Mm -hmm. we owed anything to. And we started sort of like a fresh, fresh start. A fresh start. And then we sat down and really had a conversation of what's important. And it's important to, to live life, not to work hard to pay for a cover over your head. Yep. Everybody needs a cover, but it can be something that is, mm-hmm. is right for you. And so we decided that we're going to close the business. My husband went back to the hotel wow. industry. How did that feel for you to close the business? Yo, it was very difficult. Because um, it was your dream. It was. Yeah. It was an amazing dream. And, but then again, it was also, it wasn't at that point, it got me to where it, it, it wasn't done the way that it was fulfilling enough to keep it going. I understand. There had to be some adjustment made mm-hmm. and I didn't know what they were. And I figured that 
I need to close this particular thing to figure out what's next. What's next? Was there a feeling of loss? There was a feeling of a little bit of failure in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that, that, listen, I did something that I can be really proud of and I can share with other people. I built a business. Something happened Mm -hmm. that wasn't entirely my fault. I worked very hard to fix it. Mm -hmm. I fixed it. Mm -hmm. I'm better for it. Uh, I can help other people in the same situation. But I need to be, my life needs to be about something, something else. So, and then lucky for us, we received, uh, uh, my husband received a job in Maryland. So we moved for a couple of years and that's where my yoga journey started. Oh, in Maryland. In Maryland. So here you went from running your own business, from being this entrepreneur, following your dream. And now you're in Maryland. Lost. Lost. (laughs) Housewife. Yes. Housewife, no title. No title. It's a very interesting time to be in your life where somebody asks you, so what do you do for a living? Uh And how do you answer that? Uh So in the beginning, I was like apologizing or telling stories or whatever. And then I started inventing little things. (laughs) Like what? Uh, Like, um, I'm going back to school. Mm -hmm. Or uh, a friend of mine actually gave me this idea, which I used a lot. I'm uh, I'm self unemployed. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Thank you, Nadav. <laughs> um, and there's a few others I can't remember right now. Um, but interesting but, space to be in. But it's a very interesting space to be in. And then a good friend of mine, Orly, started decided that she's going to understand what it's like to teach yoga. Uh huh. And she took a class, uh, a course, the 200 hours, and she's. She calls me and she said, Smadar, it's really not everything about the asanas. There's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. And through her and her inspiration, we started listening to so many inspiring podcasts. And you went to class. And I went and I took my first class. But I took my first class and I said, okay, now I I understand the physicality of it. But how do you connect Mm -hmm. The everything else. So you were interested right in the beginning right in the from beginning. In, in the spiritual journey. Yes. From the beginning, you were yes. like the asanas, the poses, okay, yes. nice, but is there something more? Yes. Wow. Not and every student is like that. So that's no. something really, really special about it you. Was Maybe extreme. it was because of your life circumstance. Exactly. Maybe it was because you'd been stripped of your identity and you'd been stripped of, you know, all of these normal kind of ego identifications. And then you found yourself there. And yeah, so that's, I really commend you for that. And that's exactly what I found when I started reading mm. the journey of yoga, the yamas, the niyamas, the food, every, everything that is connected to, to what yoga is. And it gave me a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. It gave me so much peace. I can't even describe it to understand that it's really not about what I have. It's mm-hmm. what about I have, what I have inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there's a solution for everything. If you just, like you do a yoga class, you set an intention, you concentrate, you first of all breathe, then you figure out, where is my body right now? Am I doing this right? If not, what do I need to adjust? And then you go through it. And for an hour, you forget about everything else. But if you apply that today, today, yeah. You know, day-to-day life, it's exactly what it is. I don't need to react fast to anything. Mm -hmm. I need to breathe. I need to figure out where am I situated in my life right now? 
What can I let go? What do I have to work with right. in order to solve anything or create anything? Right. And it's amazing. Yeah. I, I can't talk enough about it. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. So now you're back in Miami. How did that happen? Well, uh, a job offer came, uh-huh. and uh, we said yes. And uh, my husband is back where he started with his beloved company that he worked for before. Uh-huh. And, and are you back making pastries? I'm not. No, only for fun, because I did see some cookies <laughs> that arrived earlier today. Well, <laughs> if my friends ask me, yes, <laughs> I do. I do. I just, I'm, I completely, ch- we change our life completely. Right. From a big house, we live in a two-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. We're in a, we're in Midtown, which is everything is a walking distance. Yes. And we're surrounded by energy and activity and, and excitement and something that um, I think it's wonderful for people that are uh, getting older, which is kind of like becoming a passion of mine, how to tie my experience the yoga philosophy, the yoga activity, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, how to apply it to crisis, especially for people mm. 60 and older. Very interesting. So what do you have to say to people 60 and older <laughs> that are thinking, oh, you know, I'm so stiff, I, I can't do yoga, oh, it, I'll, I'll wait till I get more flexible or <laughs> I'll wait till I have more time, these yes. kinds of things. I'm too old now. Yes. I can't start yoga when I'm 60, <laughs> 65, 70, 80. You know, what do you have to say to, to inspire, you know, this generation of, 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 of potentially interested students that, yes. that you know, yoga is for them too? Yes. Uh, first of all, make the first step. It's worth it. Uh, If anything I learned from yoga, that it's not about the ego, wherever you are at the moment you are, you're perfect. Mm -hmm. You can just grow from there. That's number one. Number two, just go in with uh, an open mind. Open mind. Breathing is important. Important no matter what you're doing. Why not learn how to breathe better, Mm -hmm. you know? Balance, the older we get, balance is like so important. I've seen my mom... Mm-hmm. barely uh, walking. My dad, before he passed away, had to use, mm-hmm. uh, you know... Um, Walker or Something just to, to get dressed. Do you know why that is? Why do people lose balance? Why does balance deteriorate as people age? Honestly, I don't. I would love to learn from you if you do. No, yeah. So from what I understand is that as one of the main contributing factors is when arthritis sets in in the feet. Mm-hmm. So when the feet become arthritic, they mm-hmm. lose the ability to actually plant themselves well mm-hmm. on the ground. So that means that instead of having this really responsive foot, then the foot becomes obviously more stuck. Oh. And, then, and then you, don't, you lack the, the, the sensitivity around the, the, the neuromuscular function mm-hmm. in the small muscles and joints around the foot, wow. which then communicate in part of the ecosystem of the body. And then balance gets really, really challenged. That's, that's one of the things that happens. That's one of the reasons I'm sure mm-hmm. I have. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are more. There's a, there's a lot more. And thank yeah. you for that insight, which brings me to the fact that whatever we do in yoga, even if it's the smallest um, of uh, asanas, we are bringing flexibility to, mm-hmm. to that part of the body. And the more you work it, slowly, take your time. Nobody's chasing you, you know, uh, you're not in competition with anyone. Just do it for your own health. You'll see a difference. You'll see a difference. I 
I'm more, I, I, I think I grew a couple of inches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I used to be hunched over. No, I'm serious. I used to be hunched over at work, over a table all day. I now, because of everything I learn, my shoulders are back. They're down. Mm-hmm. You know, the my chest is, chest is a little. open. I'm walking, you know, with my held, head held up high. So it's, it's like it's, it doesn't all lo- only give me the, the physical aspect of it. It, give, it gives me sort of like, I can do this. Mm. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm doing something for myself. And you tie that with the teachings which teaches you, you really, you don't really need much to be happy. Yeah. And there's several ways to, to get to that notion. Mm-hmm. Then why not? We all owe it to ourselves. Mm. Is that what keeps you inspired to keep getting on the mat, this inner work and this inner journey? Yes, because it just shows me how far I can push myself. Mm-hmm. And which means how far I can push myself in any situation I'm presented I don't panic if I do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if um, I don't feel like it or I don't feel like exercising on that day, you know, there's also the forgiveness for yourself mm-hmm. if you're tired or you're, yeah. you know, so a lot of that goes into that. And I just, um, I think how important it is that I wish we started at a very young age, like a school age, yeah. to teach kids to just be happy and contend and think before they speak and learn to solve little situation as if you're in the asana and you're trying to figure out how to do it right. You are solving, mm-hmm. you know, a situation. I think everything in life can be applied yeah. uh, to a yoga mat. Yeah, and, oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And the yoga mat's like a laboratory for I think so. everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. But it's up to students like you who can make that connection for the lessons learned on the mat and apply it into your life. You know, it's because of your inspiration and your commitment to that spiritual journey that it means that for you. You know, I always say that yoga gives you as much as you give to it. So when you bring that kind of holistic presence into the practice, you get these holistic benefits. Yes. So I just really, really love your story. And I think that your story is inspiring for, as you mentioned, people that feel like they started too old and they think, oh, I'm, you know, I wish I would have been a dancer. I wish I would have started when I was seven, but now I'm 55, you know, can I still do yoga? Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, I actually think, and there's more and more talk about it that Mm. We're going to live much longer. <laughs> yeah, maybe with more mobility and yes. more quality and of we, life. And we have to change the face of how society treats, mm-hmm. you know, people who reach a certain age. Absolutely. And ageism is quite real, you know, and this happens in the yoga world too. So here's an example of something kind of interesting that I faced. There was a, some moment, um, you know, brand, there was some some large brand that was looking for someone to wear their clothes. And they had reached out to me, but then when they found out my age, they said, oh, you're past the age limit of someone that wants to represent our brand. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because if I'm past the age limit, then I thought, well, gosh, you know, then then how does it feel in 10 years? How does it feel, you know, when we're older and older? And I think as women face ageism in the yoga world and in the world in general to a much larger degree than men. So much larger. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. interesting in, in that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I feel that getting uh, physically fit mm-hmm. and mentally fit, 
the way yoga is giving you the opportunity to do that. I did not find that in regular exercise. Uh, Even though they're good, I like to run, I like to lift weights, I do a lot of different things, but there's something in this journey that... um, that is important uh, for the next stage. And not, be, not, not just for the balance, it's for how to be ready mm-hmm. to live another 30 years mm-hmm. with work or without work. Mm-hmm. Or what if you nobody wants to hire you, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Can you start a business at 60? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people doing that. Maybe I'll start another one, I'm not yeah. sure. But it gives you hope. It gives you hope that you can do and not just give in because somebody put a label yeah. that you're no longer, mm-hmm. you know. No um, longer valuable because no you passed a certain age, because, you're an expired exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And what I, what exactly. I think can take that message out there even more is as there are more and more stories of teachers, students yes. within the yoga world yes. that are thriving and they're, you know, plus 50, plus 60, yes. plus 70. Yes. And that these stories of inspiration can really help people see, oh, this is a lifelong practice. And not only do we value some young, fit, flexible body, but we value the wisdom yes. of experience, the wisdom of age. And yeah. we can really cherish that because, you know, the, the, the yoga practice, we say that there's some things that can't be rushed and the accumulation of wisdom is one of those things and and this is why you know the the sages are always portrayed as you know gray hair (laughs) and if it's a male like a long beard and these sorts of things so I love that and and thank and thank you for being that inspirational model the trailblazer (laughs) into your 60s (laughs) standing on your head (laughs) thank you for giving me the opportunity oh absolutely (laughs) So as part of this dialogue, I've always said that the student that I interview can always ask me a question. So do you have some questions for me or one question you'd like to ask me? Um, So my question is, what can seniors or 60 and up (laughs) can expect when they go to an Ashtanga class? Well, Ashtanga yoga is, first of all, really demanding in its most traditional sense. And the place where you'll find the most traditional practice is in India. Now, I can't say what happens in every Ashtanga class all over the world, but I can tell you what happens in my class. And one of the things that I'm personally really interested in is making this traditional practice accessible for everyone. So rather than sticking to some dogma, oh, it has to be like this, it has to be like that, I'm interested in teasing out what the essence is of the practice and then presenting it in a way so it's accessible, modifiable, and appropriate for all levels. So, for example, my mom did her first Ashtanga class when she was 75 years old, and she's two total knee replacements. So there are just a whole group of asanas and movements that she just won't ever be able to stretch her way into because her knees don't bend more than 90 degrees. And the more I teach, the more I realize there are so many people like this out there in the world, whether young, old, different sizes and shapes. And we can't hold this really, really high standard and say, this is the way you have to do the practice. You do it or you don't move on. I don't like this because then what we essentially end up doing is we treat yoga as a game of who is the best physically. And I don't think that's the heart of the method. So what I'm interested in my classes is making the practice accessible. So if you come to a class with me, like you practice with me today, there are all different modifications, all different ways to make the practice adjustable. And that's really determined student to student. Most traditional way of practicing Ashtanga is what's called a Mysore style method, where your teacher can work with you specifically on how to make the poses accessible. And this is super important to find a teacher 
within not only Ashtanga tradition, but any tradition that's not too rigidly holding on to dogmas. Mm-hmm. Take example, take Trikonasana, triangle pose as an example. There are whole groups of people out there who are really, really attached to the student must hold their toe no matter what happens in Trikonasana. I'm not of that camp because I can see what happens when people force themselves to hold the toe, their knees are bent, their back is out of alignment, they're not really benefiting <laughs> from the posture. So instead, what's the essence? Okay, what are we working with? We're working with finding the hip joint, feeling the legs, and, and we're working with finding stability, learning balance, connecting breath and body. Great. One of the things I'm really interested in is taking this whole notion of cheating out of modifying the poses. So many students, they come up to me and they say, oh, you know, I love Ashtanga, but I have to cheat. When I do this pose, I can't do Lotus, so I cheat and I do this. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not cheating. Are you on the mat? You're practicing? That's enough. That's good. What I consider cheating is, let's say you wake up one morning and decide, I don't want to do my practice today because I want to eat waffles. So if you're eating waffles and drinking red wine instead of practice, that's cheating. (laughs) I would agree to that. That's cheating. But if you're on your mat and you got a block and a strap and a bolster and you're practicing, you're practicing. So this is so important for me to understand, and I want to change that. I know Ashtanga has this reputation of being, you know, really, really athletic and really, you know, fit and strong and flexible. But the practice, like the kernels of wisdom that are in the practice, that's got to be made available to more and more people. So that's what I'm interested in. That's what I can speak to. I agree. So will you be offering classes for um, older adults? Absolutely. Absolutely. So at Miami Life Center, we have an accessible yoga class, and we're going to be developing more and more classes like that. And also on Ohm Stars, we'll be developing more and more classes like that. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you'll teach one one day. Maybe. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with me. It's been inspiring for me as a fellow female business owner to hear your journey of, you. you know, building your business, having, you know, meeting the crisis and the hardship and coming back up and rising with such beauty. I think it gives Thank me you. hope as well. And I hope it gives Absolutely. many women hope, you know, age is coming for us all. So if we can age with wisdom, with love, with kindness, then we make the world a better place. We will. And we'll share it with everyone. Oh, I look it's forward to that. Too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so, so much. I really appreciate the opportunity yeah. you're giving me to Thanks. talk. Thank you. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy, 
May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.